This is KGNU's Morning Magazine for Thursday, January 19th of 2023. I'm your host, Shannon Young. Coming up on today's program, a final deadline for approving or denying an air pollution permit for the West Elk coal mine in western Colorado could come as soon as tomorrow. The Cannabis Report has this week's marijuana news, both inside and outside of Colorado, including reports of large-scale illegal activity in Oklahoma. A BBC News update is at the bottom of the hour. Then we have a double header of author interviews coming up during a public affair. First, Alexis Kenyon speaks with Karen Lee Ashcraft, author of Wronged and Dangerous, Viral Masculinity and the Populist Pandemic. Ashcraft will be presenting her book tonight at the Boulder Bookstore. At 9 a.m., I sit down with former AP Mexico Bureau Chief Catherine Corcoran to discuss her new book, In the Mouth of the Wolf. Then at 9.30, Brian Easter will be in the Boulder studio for the Morning Sound Alternative. All that's still ahead this morning, but first, a look at the headlines with KGNU's Stacy Johnson. The Colorado Department of Early Childhood said the state received close to 12,000 applicants on its opening day of allowing families to sign up for the new universal preschool program that will start this fall. According to Chalkbeat Colorado, department officials originally estimated 30,000 kids would enroll in the program for its inaugural year based on current enrollments across the country and Denver's preschool program. State officials told the Colorado Sun Tuesday's numbers exceeded their expectations and are an excellent indicator of family interest. The department said close to 1,500 child care providers have so far submitted forms to offer services through the program. Melissa Mares with the Colorado's Children's Campaign told the Colorado Sun, based on the numbers of providers who plan to take part in the program, the state could enroll up to 60,000 preschoolers. More than half of Colorado school districts are experiencing declining enrollment and some are considering school closures. KGNU's Alyssa Palazzo has more. Some of the state's largest school districts have declining enrollment in those in Denver, Jefferson County, and Boulder Valley. The drop in enrollment threatens per-pupil statewide funding, and the effects of the funding cuts could cascade to other districts that receive support from their better-funded neighbors. Colorado schools face funding shortfalls to the state's $10 billion debt bill. This year alone, the state cut school funding by over $300 million. State demographer Elizabeth Garner told the Colorado Sun that school enrollment decline this year is, quote, hands down due to the state's lower birth rates. Factors like increasing costs of living have contributed to almost 15 years of falling birth rates. Middle and elementary schools took the most significant enrollment hit, dropping 2 and 4 percent from last year, which could have trickle-down effects. In November, Jefferson County Public Schools announced plans to close 16 elementary schools at the end of this school year. For KGNU, I'm Alyssa Palazzo. The Denver City Council has approved a $9 million purchase of a 96-unit hotel and two adjacent parcels at East 38th and Peoria in Denver's Central Park neighborhood. The purchase possible, namely a $2 million grant championed by Representative Diana DeGette. Officials with Denver's Department of Housing Stability say they renovations and provide support services at the site. 
New research demonstrating the negative health impacts of gas stoves may result in new local policies. Boulder Mayor Aaron Brackett told the Boulder Reporting Lab City Council was already considering requiring all electric construction in new buildings as Boulder makes updates to the building code this year. He said new health reports support those changes for new construction. A peer-reviewed study released in December found greater rates of childhood asthma in homes with gas stoves. It added to a growing body of studies suggesting climate and human health dangers from methane-emitting appliances such as water heaters, gas stoves, and gas-powered furnaces. Lafayette is another Boulder County municipality that has queued up an ordinance that would ban gas hookups in new buildings. Carolyn Allum, Boulder's senior sustainability manager of energy systems, told the Boulder Reporting Lab tackling gas stoves in existing homes is another big issue. Boulder homeowners can currently apply for a $200 rebate from the city and a $100 rebate from the county if they make the switch from gas to electric. A new program under the Colorado Office of Civil and Forensic and Mental Health has restored 25% of individuals charged with a crime to competency, according to a Colorado Department of Human Services report. State officials say this is helping reduce the number of individuals who are awaiting trial because of mental incompetence. Colorado is one of the first states to try the pre-restoration education program, which began in July. The program teaches those awaiting trial basic legal knowledge and rational decision-making practices with an aim to increase the client's understanding of legal proceedings and their ability to consult with their attorney. The program also offers mental health care and psychiatric medication management. According to state officials, the funding for the program comes under the Federal American Rescue Plan Act and has served 57 clients in the last six months. Two Fort Collins City Council members have expressed concern over Larimer County's decision to approve Republic Services to help build and operate a new landfill near Wellington. Larimer County will own the land and have control over rates, but Republic will pay to build and operate the facility. Assistant County Manager Lori Kadrick said the county chose Republic among three competitive bids and said the company's longevity, goals, and financial stability made them the best candidate of the three companies who vied to operate the county's new landfill. Two Fort Collins City Council members who sit on the county's Solid Waste Policy Advisory Council issued critical remarks on the county's approach in partnering with a private waste management company. Fort Collins City Council member Kelly Olson expressed that he wants the Technical Advisory Committee of the council to be more involved and says the process seems rushed, especially as the county entertains a one-year-plus agreement for the landfill. City Council person Susan Kutowski echoed Olson's remarks and said she questions the county's preference in partnering with a private company. Kedrick said she initially resisted a public-private partnership, but said she has learned the county can influence what happens on the property with a private partner that leverages resources the county does not have. For today's weather, the National Weather Service says skies will be mostly sunny with highs reaching near 34 degrees for Fort Collins, 36 degrees for Boulder, and 38 degrees for Denver. Winds could gust as high as 21 miles per hour for Boulder and 15 miles per hour for Denver. Tonight, skies will be mostly cloudy with lows ranging from 12 to 15 degrees. For KGNU, I'm Stacy Johnson.
You are listening to The Morning Magazine on KGNU. I'm your host, Shannon Young. A final deadline for approving or denying an air pollution permit for the West Elk coal mine in western Colorado could be set as soon as tomorrow. A Colorado district court is expected to hold a follow-up hearing after ruling that the state broke the law by failing to act before a September 2021 deadline on the permit. A lawsuit was filed over the delay last July by Wild Earth Guardians, the Center for Biological Diversity, Sierra Club, High County Conservation Advocates, and Wilderness Workshop. Eric Galatis has more. Environmental groups are headed back to court this Friday in hopes of setting a clear deadline for Governor Jared Polis's administration to start reining in climate pollution at the West Elk coal mine in the North Fork Valley. Nathaniel Schof, a senior attorney with the Sierra Club, says the mine has been operating without a permit in violation of the Clean Air Act for years and is a major contributor to climate change due to its methane emissions. Its heat-trapping properties are far more powerful than carbon dioxide, and scientists around the globe have told us that we are in the critical decade. If we want to avoid the worst effects of climate disruption, we must act, and we must act now. A Colorado district court ruled in December that the Polis administration violated state law by failing to approve or deny an air pollution permit for the mine, owned by Arch Resources, formerly Arch Coal, by a statutory deadline of September 2021. The state did not dispute the ruling, but told the court that due to staffing issues and lack of cooperation by Arch, a draft permit would not be possible before June 1st of this year. The court is also expected to review records it ordered released related to the state's claims of Arch's uncooperativeness and how the state has responded. Operating for years without the required permit, and it's the largest industrial source of methane in the state, that should get a high priority from the state. Colorado has set a goal of removing coal from its energy portfolio by 2030. Because federal and state governments have provided subsidies to extract and burn fossil fuels for decades, making communities dependent on those industries, Shove says it's not enough to tell people living in the North Fork Valley there's a job for you in another state. It is incumbent on the government to provide solutions. And provide financial incentives for new companies to operate in these areas. If you don't, you're doing a disservice to those families and those communities that worked for a long time to help keep the lights on. This is Eric Gladys reporting for the Colorado News Connection. And now it's time for the Cannabis Report here on KGNU Community Radio. I'm Hanalee Myers, and as always, I'm joined by longtime cannabis correspondent Leland Rucker. Leland, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Always good to be here. Okay, so this morning you have some cannabis-related headlines from inside and outside the state, including it looks like some reports of illegal activity going on in Oklahoma. What can you tell us about that story? Well, you know, the... Rumors have been floating around for years now here in Colorado. I've been hearing this for years. Ever since Oklahoma voters decided to make marijuana legal for adult medical patients, and that was back in 2018. And the interesting thing about Oklahoma is the state is red, but it and it went in a different direction than other states after medical pot was allowed. The state made it easy and cheap to get started, unlike other states like Colorado. And so the rumors said people from out of state began grow operations in Oklahoma and stories grew about illegal ones. 
And I just saw a story in TulsaWorld.com last week that spelled it all out. There's 2,000 medical marijuana licenses have been identified by the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics and Dangerous Drugs as potentially unlawful. That's according to an agency spokesman. He said that licenses are suspected of either having been obtained fraudulently or are being used to mask illegal operations selling cannabis on the black market. And criminal enterprises, their most common dodge is a lot of medical marijuana businesses in Oklahoma. And two Oklahoma law firms have been charged with assisting out-of-state interests in setting up such operations. Uh, The guy said, we've got close to 2,000 under investigation, and we're working with our partners to identify the criminal networks involved, because there obviously are. And this also concerns some murders that have happened down there. Many law enforcement agency officials say most of the marijuana being produced in the state is sold illegally, even if it's grown by licensed operators. So we'll we'll keep watching that, but that's definitely a story that's going to affect Colorado in one way or another in the future. Yeah, it's a good reminder that when something like this happens, that that ripple effect does impact other states. It's a unique element, but I think it's something to point out, yeah, that the ripple effect when things go wrong and when things go right is felt in the surrounding states, and in this case here in Colorado, And speaking of Colorado, you're going to update us on the continued drop in cannabis sales here in the state. What can you tell us there? Yeah, this is according to the state. And the State Department of Revenue says the state collected about $325.1 million in marijuana taxes and business fees in 2022. And their data show that that's down about 23.3%. Uh, from last year. Uh, Colorado has a 15% wholesale excise tax on marijuana and a 15% retail excise tax. And recreational marijuana is exempted from general sales tax. But when we think about those numbers, it's one thing we have to realize is that it's probably good practice not to use yearly totals and keep comparing those. I get kind of tired of that. Uh, stores sold $1.63 billion in product from January through November of 2022. Recreational sales began in 2014, and the state's commercial cannabis industry didn't experience a dry spell until 2021, when both wholesale prices and dispensary sales started dropping after a record-breaking 2020. And if we recall, that was the pandemic year. And that drop was slight. It didn't occur until the end of the year, though, which is why we probably shouldn't do it year by year, because it just doesn't, you know, things don't work year by year. You know, things don't work uh, decade by decade. We had the 60s. We had the 70s. But things don't work that way. That's the way we look at it. The interesting thing is this is kind of a opposite the high inflation rate that we've been seeing in the United States. Last year was a full-on drought for the state's marijuana industry, with the average uh, price per pound of flour fell more than 60%. It makes it tough on small on small businesses. And a state law limiting THC concentrate sales for medical marijuana patients was enacted in 2021, and uh, that meant that medical sales were reaching record lows last year because medical sales just continue to keep going down. And I think what happened is that, you know, besides the fact that a lot more states around Colorado 
have uh, allowed adults to buy recreational cannabis, a lot of grow facilities take a couple of years to get right. And I think they all came online. Many of them came online a little bit too late. And that meant that there's a lot of cannabis on the market and prices went down accordingly. I'm paying about half of what I paid when it was illegal. That's really amazing. And, you know, the state kind of depends on that money now. That's the other thing we don't think about is that um, state school construction, addiction treatment, health care, health education, substance abuse prevention and treatment programs, and law enforcement all depend on that kind of money. So that figure keeps dropping every year, and it's at 30% now. Three out of 10 Coloradans use cannabis. Well, when you think about that, that's a lot. Um, when we started, I went back and looked, and that number was about eh, 15 to 20%. You know, and more people are going to say that they use it because it's legal now, but still, that's quite a jump. And uh, it's not going to become 50%. It's just art. We've, we've said that before, and I'll say it again. Cannabis is just not that popular. Not everybody's going to use it. And uh, it, it's going to take a while for the industry to settle down, I think. And I think it's going to take a while for grow operations to run out of material. So I think Colorado consumers can expect much of the same for the next year at least and uh, expect more consolidation as we go along. That's obviously what's happening is smaller operations try to deal with the changes going on and find their own ways to stay in business. Well, difficult growing pains, it certainly sounds like for the cannabis industry, but also, like you said, kind of all part of the expected process of this fall of prohibition here in Colorado and looking towards what a stable, secure cannabis industry might look like. Leland, thank you so much for keeping us in the loop with all of that. You bet. Thank you. And you can get your news update on what's happening in the world of cannabis here on the Cannabis Report on KGNU the first and third Thursday of every month. For KGNU, I'm Hanley Myers. If you suddenly find you have a craving for a slice of pie a la mode, you know it must be time for Radio Nibbles with John Lindorf. He joins us from his Louisville test kitchen. Good morning, John. Oh, good morning, Shannon. Uh, it's a uh, it's a lovely morning uh, in uh, the Boulder uh, Valley. Uh, it's a good morning to get a cup of coffee and uh, talk about food around the big KGNU kitchen table. Uh, this morning uh, we're looking at a, a few anniversaries. You know, we uh, when we look at restaurants, uh, sometimes it's surprising if if restaurants last even two years or three years or five. Um, but uh, we want to wish a happy 35th birthday to Ras Casas Ethiopian restaurant. It's located in Lafayette now, uh, but it originally was like a Ethiopian roadhouse near uh, El Dorado Springs. The other thing is uh, Boulder's original Walnut Cafe is 40 years old. That is, that's a lot of pancakes and coffee. Well, and The Sink is also celebrating its 100th year of burgers and beer. And that's, well, 100 years except for the period of prohibition. What's the oldest eatery in town, John? 
Well, I, I think it has to be uh, Chautauqua Dining Hall. It's 125 years old. It wasn't open year round for, you know, all that time. And uh, but the only other possibility would be something in the Boulderado, but the names have changed so much. Um, the other thing is, speaking of anniversaries, 30 years ago, New Belgium Brewery uh, released Fat Tire Ale uh, for you youngsters. Uh, at that point, the only beer that was well known in Colorado really was Coors. Um, and uh, Fat Tire uh, became, you know, the quintessential Colorado brew uh, from New England, New Belgium Brewery. They uh, sold out to some conglomerate and now they're reformulating Fat Tire Ale. Uh, they say for modern and younger taste buds. Uh, my thought is I'll, I'll buy a bunch of uh, fat tire right now, lock it away. And then in six months, I'll sell it for big bucks to people who are desperate for the original fat tire. Um, for you, for really older folks, they they probably remember the fight between classic Coke and uh, new Coke. So yeah. I'm hopeful. Well, in restaurant news, Boulder's Frasca restaurant, restaurant Group has announced that it will now offer all hourly employees a starting hourly rate of seventeen twenty nine an hour plus tips that and uh, and the reason they part of the reason they did that well besides it's the right thing to do was mm -hmm. that uh seventeen twenty nine is now the uh, minimum wage in denver exactly and they wanted to they wanted to extend it to their restaurants in boulder exactly it's the fair thing to do well, in Denver, Edible Beats Restaurant, including Linger, Ophelia's Electric Soapbox, and Root Down, are also switching to an employee-owned model. Tell me about that. Uh, this is a wonderful thing. It's growing rapidly. Um, it uh, Essentially, it provides uh, a way for uh, the employees in restaurants, including cooks and dishwashers, um, to uh, own the, uh, to co-own the, the restaurant, and that's, that's pretty important. Um, speaking of restaurants, uh, sad to say that, uh, well, the Fresh Times restaurant, uh, had closed, but they were going to keep the bodega next door on 30th street open. But unfortunately that's closing too, uh, just a, a victim of, uh, finances, I think, and, uh, wear and tear from the, uh, uh, pandemic. Uh, the other thing is, uh, there's a new artisan pizza place in, uh, Niwot. Uh, it's sort of hidden in the kitchen at uh, Farrell restaurant. Uh, it's called Pie Dog Pizza. So naturally I, I like the name and I thought I thought you'd appreciate this next item. Well, yeah. Well, and speaking of artisans, the Fatworks, an artisan fat company in Longmont has introduced a skincare line that uses tallow, which is beef fat as a base. Yes, and uh, apparently uh, it's, a, it's wonderful for skin. Um, it's just uh, whether you want to walk around smelling like a uh, steak, but Fatworks is a cool uh, company. Another cool thing, uh, if on Tuesday, the 24th, uh, if you watch the Food Network's uh, Chopped show, uh, you get to see Chef Natasha Hess of Ginger Pig Restaurant compete. Uh, Natasha was, of course, uh, she started Ginger Pig uh, as a uh, Boulder food truck a few years back. Well, John, we only have about a minute and a half left, so I'm going to have to go straight to the question that we are all wondering. What's the best thing you've tasted recently? 
The best thing I tasted recently was just fantastic. Uh, a lot of eateries talk about how local their food is, but uh, Bramble and Hare really dishes the real Boulder thing. They have a dish on their menu uh, that, that features uh, almost everything grown on Black Cat Farm in Boulder. Uh, two cuts of uh, wonderful mule foot pork. I had it over uh, creamy polenta. The corn was grown at Black Cat uh, with uh, Black Cat grown braised kale, carrots, fennel salad. And Black Cat chef Eric Skoken will join us February 2nd for Kitchen Table Talk. Well, that sounds uh, delicious. You can listen mm. to podcasts of past Radio Nipples episodes at news.kgnu.org. You can join us again next Thursday when Japanese-American food expert Gil Asakawa joins us on Radio Nipples again. Oh, he's great to have on. Yeah. And uh, for a real good time, bake a pie for someone on Monday, which is National Pie Day. That's all the time we have for today's Morning Magazine. I've been your host and producer, Shannon Young. Special thanks to Stacey Johnson, Alyssa Palazzo, Alexis Kenyon, Eric Galatis, Hannah Lee Myers, Leland Rucker, and John Lindor for their contributions to today's program. Stay tuned for Alexis Kenyon's interview with Karen Lee Ashcraft, who has an event tonight at the Boulder Bookstore. That's coming up just after the news headlines from the BBC.